CHC Global are independent malicious risk advisors operating in the Lloyds of London insurance market. Welcome to our podcast, Malicious Bites. is Chris Holt. I'm the CEO of CHC Global and today I'm joined by Kelly Crouch who heads up our terrorism insurance practice. Uh, hi Kelly. Hi Chris. Um, uh, recently I've come back from the USA and as we discussed uh, when I was out there I yet again found myself uh, talking to potential prospects and clients about terrorism insurance and, and I think you and I both agree that it's a fairly misunderstood topic Certainly, there's a, a misunderstanding um, around what the cover provides, who might be interested. And hopefully today we can just have a, a brief chat about uh, the terrorism insurance market, perhaps through the lens of either um, real estate organisations or stadia or hospitality. So hotels who, who we obviously do a lot of work with. And I wonder if we could start just by because you've been in this market a long time just by providing a bit of background on, you know, what, what is terrorism insurance? What, what does it cover? Because there's an expectation gap, I think, around what, what it is and, and what it does. So, you know, how long has the cover been out there? What, what is it? Um, and it might help as well, just for you to say how long you've been in it, because I know you've been transacting this class of business for a long time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, I guess the, you're right. There's a, there's a big difference um, between um, perception and reality of the terrorism insurance market. The biggest issue is that when people think about terrorism, they think about bad people doing bad things. But that is a very broad definition. And as we know with most insurances, um, ultimately they come down to words that are written down in an insurance contract that try to draw lines around things. So if we look at where the the terrorism insurance market came from, um, essentially the standalone market um, came about post 9-11. So prior to that, the political risk market, um, political risk insurance market used to offer some cover for for some of these events. The um, property or all risk market used to give cover for some of these events. But following 9-11, ultimately, the, the property market took a step back and said, oh, wow, this is this is a lot more than we expected um, to be exposed to. Um, and they pulled cover almost overnight. So from that moment, the standalone market started being created. People started stepping into that space and offering cover. But it was very much a big event big property damage focused event with ensuing business interruption and coming from a political, religious, ideological um, standpoint. Um, Now that was right for the time, I think, but what we know is that the threat has changed. And so that that cover isn't necessarily um, sufficient for what we might consider as terrorism now. Thanks. And I, it's a really interesting one to me. So, um, you know, the, the insurance industry is my second career. Um, and I spent my first career kind of de- dealing in the, the kind of um, counterterrorism space. Well, whilst the majority of the market evolved 
immediately after 9-11. It's, it's fascinating to me when you read some of the kind of historical context. But actually, it looks like the wordings around terrorism insurance actually started immediately post-war, kind of late 1940s with some of the events that were happening in Palestine. And this kind of war political violence market has existed for a long time. Um, and then it, kind of 9-11 is the point at which, quite understandably, the markets coalesced. There's been most property insurers and indeed other insurance types have excluded these types of events. And that's where terrorism really kind of uh, became what it is now, which is standalone market. But more importantly, and just to go back a step, one of the questions that I get asked quite a lot is you know the extent of cover that that terrorism insurance has and i don't think most people who aren't in the insurance sector understand that it it's really a property damage and business interruption cover and that it's not around liability or people or you know personal accident or workers compensation in the us that when we talk about terrorism we're talking about a property-based cover which is a kind of right back if you like to cover an exclusion that most people have on their property covers. Can you just talk about that for a second? So I think that's where the expectation gap can sometimes be. Yeah, I mean, and the reason that it is on, focused on that property damage is because that's where that cover came from. So the property markets were giving that cover, even perhaps just not excluding it. So they were silent on the issue of terrorism. So the market came about with a property damage focus because that's that was the exclusion that suddenly became introduced post 9-11. So it was filling a gap, really. And I mean, back in those days, so I started um, at the start of 2003. So pretty fairly early in the in the days of uh, the standalone terrorism market. And back then there were single figure number of markets really mm -hmm. and if you if you put your trainers on and ran around the market you might just get 100 million um yeah. of us um dollars of of limit of liability nowadays you can get three and a half billion so the market has changed massive massively in terms of capacity but it's also changed massively in terms of cover so those other covers that you talk about the liability um the personal accident all of those things are available but that's not necessarily um what you're automatically offered yeah and um, when, you, when you approach the market and you know we we've had a few come through so that there's a whole range of insurance covers all of which most of the time have some kind of war political violence or terrorism exclusion so whether that's kind of aviation war or um, marine war um Hull or the, the stuff that might be a right back for hostile environments on liability. But when people talk about terrorism, they tend to be talking about property terrorism, which is physical damage triggering business interruption. That's the kind of market that, as you say, really started to evolve on a standalone basis post 9-11, and which has been the market that's evolved over the last 20 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, I know it's, and we'll talk in a moment about how it's evolving at the moment, but, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago when you and I were working together um, on larger placements, you know, what, what, what would a normal terrorism placement look like for an organisation? So we're normally talking about a company that's got a large real estate portfolio, they're buying some kind of property cover, and a, a normal placement, I know this is a, 
um, very difficult question because there's no normal placement, but, but a kind of terrorism transaction would be you trying to mirror uh, what's in the property um, placement to ensure that there's effective cover for a catastrophic loss um, impacting property and business interruption from terrorism on its own. But I know that often it would also include political violence, including war, and it might just be worth talking about how the kind of vanilla terrorism product works, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, it would absolutely be the the focus being on the, the property damage um, risk, um, resulting business interruption, whether that's because you've suffered physical damage to your own property or because there's been physical damage within the vicinity of your property that means that you're, you can't continue your operations. Um, but there have been, over the last 15 to 20 years, there have been clear triggers for that cover or for people to consider broadening cover wider than that conventional terrorism um, we always think of the broader political violence perils being for emerging market risk so not your western developed territories but that's not necessarily the way of the world anymore it's not so cut and dry that that Western developed territories only need terrorism cover. Um, we've seen general unrest across, um, across the world. So broadening you know, to the strikes, riots, civil commotion. We see state-sponsored terrorism, which whilst it would still cover, you know, have the banner of terrorism to most people, that gets confusing in insurance definitions. Because mm -hmm. um, once there's some state sponsorship, then it might be considered as a war peril. So, you, so what we might, what we find is that clients and, pro and people that we're talking to that are interested in the cover think that that would be covered under a conventional terrorism policy, yeah. um, but perhaps it wouldn't. So there's that gap in expectation. And I, I think <clears throat> this comes to the. And we'll talk about it at the moment, kind of how things are changing. But you know, six, seven years ago, you and I could have sat down with a spreadsheet with a with a client's portfolio and say, okay, you know, the US, UK, Western Europe stuff, that's probably terror only. Um, Sub-Saharan Africa, LATAM, Southeast Asia, maybe with political violence. And as you've explained it, that's because with that terror and political violence, you get that kind of long list of um, you know, the bad stuff. So war, civil war. Um, rebellion, revolution, insurrection, coup d'etat, and then this kind of SRCC strikes, rights and civil commotion. But increasingly now, we're seeing organisations, particularly in the US and Western Europe, seeking terrorism and strikes, rights and civil commotion. And as you rightly say, because that, that wording around war and a warlike act exists, there is this requirement for real fidelity around what we mean by certain definitions. And um, I think one of the, the, the things that we find often is that this can be one of those discussions around cover that can very quickly be put into the too hard box because of the complexity here um, and why it's actually useful just to talk it through now. So, um, Well, and on that point, Chris, of course, the, if we think back to 2010 when the, the, there were riots in Thailand. Yeah people had different cover under different insurance policies. So they might have strikes, riots, civil commotion underneath um, their property cover. They might have terrorism cover. They might have broader. And what we saw there was that 
a chain of events or actually could be defined at different times under different political violence definitions. Mm -hmm. so, and what is really difficult to say is at what point of time some of the physical damage um, occurred, at what point in time you can allocate different losses to your um, revenue and profit um, stream. So the fastest um, claims payment is when you when you have a policy that covers all of those things. So you don't, so actually you're not debating which, which policy to recover under, what yeah. limit, what deductibles. You just say, well, whatever it was in that sphere, you're covered. And, and actually the trick here is, as it often is in life, is creating a simple solution, but something which the underlying kind of factors can be very complex. So yeah. it's creating simplicity from complexity, which once you do it, everybody, you know, quite reasonably looks at the work, for example, that you do and says, well, that's, of course, that's how you would do it. But actually, the, 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 um, the devil is in the detail as always. And it's that it's that significant years of experience that allows you to get to that simple solution that's likely to work if there is a claim. Absolutely. Well, and so then what we've seen with the development of the um, of the threat is the advent of what we might call active shooters or malicious um, attacks, where it doesn't fit into the traditional definition of terrorism. So, and this is where knives are being used, um, firearms are being used, vehicles with or without explosives are being used, but the target's not always obvious and nor is the intent um, of, of the attacker which means that you, you, there may be a very little property damage, but there could be huge loss of life, um, huge um, amounts of injury, and massive fear set through into um, the population, but it wouldn't fall under a, under a terrorism policy, which yeah. is quite hard to get your head around when you would just, that you would call, anyone on the street would call that person a terrorist. Yeah, look, looks like a terrorist, smells a terrorist, probably a terrorist, but it's, um, but those products and that they've evolved over the last um, five years or so, and you and I separately have both been involved in some of the, the innovation around developing those products on the way through. They don't only provide, it seems to me, flexibility around the event trigger. So, you know, they're, they're, they're written with a really nice broad um, you know, someone acting for political, religious or ideological purposes who causes um, physical damage or, or bodily injury. Don't quote me on that, but that's kind of the broad um, sway of it. But it's also the cover that's offered. So it, it seems to me that these new products, I say new, you know, last kind of five years and actually evolving this year as well. Um, they don't only provide for physical damage and business interruption they're also providing kind of non-damage business interruption or loss of earnings or loss of attraction. Some of them are providing for access to response consultants, whether that's um, you know law firms or public relations consultants or security advisors. And some are even providing kind of the ability for organizations to make ex-gratia payments on a kind of, you know, go, go and see um, the private doctor and, and get this sorted out as quickly as you can kind of bodily injury payments that the coverage seems a lot wider and the trigger is broader and less worried about the definition of terrorism and more more focused on just someone who is acting with malicious intent 
is that is that how it's evolving yeah absolutely and i think yeah one of the biggest um parts of that cover in my opinion is the response consultants that can help you in the midst of, of that how to deal with it um so there's lots of planning around that you can do around keeping your people safe and putting in physical security measures but when something happens when you're right in the middle of things to be able to be on the phone to to someone that can guide you through it that can bring you out the other side that can help you recover um as quickly as possible um is is massively important and we know that these types of attacks are, are increasing and are likely to continue to increase. Mm. So from 2019 to 2020, the number of um, active shooter attacks in the US increased by 30%. Mm. And we know from reports from recent events, um, the internet is playing a massive part in the radicalization of those individuals that are that are undertaking the attack. So mm. that was that you know driven a lot by um lockdown. But I think that that will that is likely to continue. Yeah, and I think you know I'm thinking about one of the organizations we look after um here in the UK where they buy one of these kind of bl blended um kind of attack type products. And actually I I'm struck by how surprised they were that when they secured a quote for you know traditional terrorism physical damage and, and business interruption on their total asset values they felt that that was you know prohibitively expensive and quite reasonably so this is an organization with significant asset values um in central london but actually when we secured a quote for them for this kind of attack type product which provides mostly non-damaged business interruption and access to the type of services you're talking about actually they felt that was very affordable and it's this it's this balance between the traditional type of insurance cover that offers catastrophic financial protection against an asset being destroyed so a kind of building and these newer policies which provide access to the immediate funds that your organization might need to deal with the dip in revenues or attractiveness or whatever it might be and also to be able to get access to the services that you need to get your business back up and running again and i think again it's one of these trying to make simplicity out of complexity often terrorism can be lumped under this one thing of oh that's something to do with property there's probably a national scheme that we should be in but actually there's a lot more nuanced market out there now and for many organizations particularly those that have got the public coming onto their premises, these more flexible attack, active shooter, active assailant, malicious attack, you know, the, one of the problems is they haven't all got the same name, but th those products seem to provide really great, great benefit to the type of event that happens more often. Yeah, and I think there's still a, a place for conventional terrorism insurance. There, we're not saying that there are going to be no larger explosive based attacks you know that's that would be a foolish thing to say but for perhaps in industries or or sectors that don't feel that they are such a target whether mm. that's through ownership or or through industry um or exposure um 
the active shooter cover um, can provide a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. And I think with, with legislatory change, we think um, coming in the UK with the protect duty, which was in the Queen's speech um, and, you know, real interest in the US. Uh, I, I think that kind of peace of mind type cover is certainly something that, you know, we're, we're chatting to people about and we'd, we'd be very happy to answer questions about. So we've, we've talked a little how about how products are evolving. We've talked about the kind of change in threat over the last decade or so and how the markets responded. I wonder if you might talk to uh, how current events uh, are changing or evolving the market. I, I think probably the, the horrific incidents that we see actually on both sides of the Atlantic um, around active shooter events, I think we've probably covered that off in terms of these active assailant, active shooter, malicious attack type products. But what's um, how is the war in Ukraine impacting the terrorism market at the moment? Is it having any, any notable impact either on availability, price, wording type of cover? Um, and that, from the perspective, if, if I may, of you know, an organisation that's thinking about buying terrorism or even a, a kind of North American retail insurance broker who's wondering how to access that or what's going on in the market. So I suppose what I'm saying is let's not try to get too technical. What's, um, what's the, the war in Ukraine doing to the terrorism market at the moment? Well, the terrorism market have paid claims over the years, um, whether that's... Um, you know, unrest in Thailand, whether that's um, events um, through Europe, whether that's um, uh, war um, in, in African region, there have absolutely been claims paid out. Um, what hasn't ever happened is there has never been such a significant shakeup in the market with losses across almost all carriers to a quantum that we are seeing now. Mm. So since the market came about, essentially we have seen over the years a continual softening in the market, which has meant, um, as with other insurance markets, a soft market means you get more capacity, you get broader cover, a lot of competition, um, and prices go down and down. Um, Many would say that the, the pricing that would have been charged isn't commensurate with the risk. Mm -hmm. When we then see significant claims coming into the market and a potential change to a harder market, we, are, we have seen um, at least one market have to withdraw um, from the standalone market because they weren't able to secure reinsurance. And we don't know if there's going to be more of that but what we will see is there will be more pressure on those underwriters on how they underwrite their book we expect to see a greater requirement for information mm. on risks um, we expect to see um, a tightening up of breadth of cover yep so ev everything that you would expect to see in a in a hard or hardening market so it's not where and this is really tricky actually for for lots of buyers because every year it has been an expectation that they would see a five to 25 percent reduction in their premium year on year 
that's that's going to stop and that and what we what we are trying to work with our clients um with is to say the expectation going forward should be your best case is that you maintain your premium yeah. at the same level for the same cover but the insurers might insist on narrowing cover they might insist on a bigger retention of risk by clients and i i think it's interesting you, you've used quite reasonably future tense there in a lot of the answers but actually we're We've seen quite a lot of these changes occur already. So, you know, you, you and I have been involved in um, in a, a client where the carrier has put significantly more attention on that submission because, you know, that that client is viewed as exposed to terrorism risk. We're already seeing cover narrowing or people being asked to take more um, on a self-insured basis, more of a retention. And we've certainly seen prices already gone up. So... That, that change from um, the war in Ukraine is already happened or, you know, part of it's already happened, but we can see it continuing probably through to the kind of renewals of those insurers reinsurances on the 1st of January next year. I think it's probably reasonable, isn't it? We're going to see a continuation of this, this change off the back of the, the war in Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is still, there are still a lot of markets. There's still a lot of capacity out there. Um, we generally recommend, you know, we are big believers of building up a tripartite relationship. So clients building relationships with their insurers so that should a, an event happen, um, the insurers are close enough to their clients that they work with them to, to overcome um, the issue and to get through claims. Yeah. Um, we generally don't believe in moving your moving your account around different insurers year on year um but there are opportunities to remarket not everyone there's not a balanced um position on what an increase year on year should be on a policy mm -hmm. but it's a lot trickier than it than it ever was uh which i suppose plays to why we think we can um do a great job as a specialist in this area we we, we think we've got a a great opportunity to represent uh, people's risks appropriately to the market and partner with them to create that tripartite relationship. I suppose we've got the time and expertise to do that properly. Yeah, and we've and we've worked on enough claims that we know markets that behave well in yep. the event of a claim. Yeah. Um, and other markets that perhaps don't behave as well. Hmm. Which is what you get in a functioning market, uh, and. Knowing, knowing where to go is, uh, is half the battle. So, look, we've talked um, a bit about the kind of evolution of terrorism insurance and the related covers. We've talked a bit about what's changing at the moment. And I just wanted to finish off really with some practical thoughts, um, either through the lens of if I were a risk manager at a, you know, an organisation, real estate or stadia or hospitality kind of hotels, or indeed... If I was a retail insurance broker in North America, um, looking to support those types of clients, um, are there any kind of uh, either straightforward questions or kind of checklists or what would be your advice to those organisations? I don't know. Let's go a risk manager from a, a major hotel organisation on um, what to think about at the moment as to whether their cover is appropriate and or what they might be thinking about. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many questions that you can ask yourself. You can start with the easy aspects of are your premises as secure as they can be? Are there physical measures that you can put in place? Um, how can you best protect your people on your premises and elsewhere based, you know, considering your duty of care? Um, but also really importantly is understanding what your business exposure actually is in the event of a loss. Do you have plans in place on how to respond should an event happen? Yeah. So during the event, post event, um, it's really about minimizing the impact having a plan of action and then your ability to recover. So looking at what cover you have, looking at what the most likely scenarios are that could affect your business yeah. and, and then seeing if they match up. And if they don't, looking at what your options are to, to better cover your exposures. And, I, you know, we, we work on this basis um, of um, obviously when you're working with the advisory team we've, we've got this language that we use which I think is helpful which is we always start with what the risk is and we talk about you know so we look at all the possible events that might occur and then we look at worst case most likely and a credible worst case so really you know what's the catastrophic thing that that might occur and that normally ends up driving some kind of significant property damage and business interruption loss from a financial perspective and take into account with all of this i recognize that we're taking what are often uh, what are always tragic events and we're now boiling it down to kind of uh dollars and cents which which i recognize uh can be emotive but ultimately it, it is what we do for a living um so worst case what's the most likely and the most likely tends to be at that low level almost kind of violent crime but bubbling up into this kind of malicious acts terrorism space the credible worst case, which sits somewhere in between, i.e. might happen and it could be really bad. And as you say, it's then that balance of, well, far better than having an insurance policy that triggers. Let's make sure that we actually prevent the thing happening in the first place. So, you know, let's let's have that meeting between risk managers, directors of security, heads of business continuity management, the ERM people in an organisation. I think often we're surprised that we're sometimes introducing those those colleagues to each other or at least i'm um, suggesting that they can share information so understand how to manage the risk and and at that point once you understand what the, the risks look like and you understand how you're managing them then pick up the phone and, and we can talk you through uh the insurance piece or indeed we can help with the first bit but that that's the kind of order in which i think we would suggest you do things understand the risk deal with the treatment piece and then understand the transfer once you've done that because otherwise you're at risk of buying something which is either um, inappropriate and either under insuring or insuring in the wrong place yeah and if you go through that as the process then when you're actually approaching insurance markets they will understand your perspective on risk and your approach to risk and it puts you in a much stronger position um, in in purchasing any cover that you do need um, and at entering or or in a hardening stroke hard market that becomes more important than ever brilliant kelly thank you it's always a pleasure to chat um and i, and I hope our discussion has uh, helped people make a little bit of sense out of uh, the terrorism and political violence market i, I hope it's uh, provided a, a bit of a perspective on what's changing at the moment, both based on the change in threats and risks, 
but also global events and also just to consider um, some of the questions that that one might pose if, if we're a risk manager or a, or a, a retail insurance broker so thanks very much for your time I, I look forward to the next opportunity to do one of these and uh, we can talk about rugby next time thanks chris all right cheers guys bye thanks for listening to malicious bites a podcast by chc global independent malicious risk advisors Thank you.